Well, praise the Lord and welcome to our Romans Bible study on a beautiful Thursday morning here in Queen City, Texas at Crossway Church in my office. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. Glad you're here watching whenever it is that you're watching and I just encourage you to get your Bibles and follow along with us today. We're in chapter 9 of Romans and uh, this will be part 8 today. Yes, part 8. And uh, I have to look because I'm also teaching Timothy on Fridays and, I, and I'm coming in even on Tuesdays and Wednesdays now just uh, because people are at home and, and uh, they're finding themselves uh, sort of stir crazy. And so I'm coming in and even more so to the office to share God's Word. So <clears throat> you can now, on Mondays and Thursdays, you can tune in at 8.30 a.m. live on my Pastor Curtis page and the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and, and be a part of this Romans Bible study, or on Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday at 9 a.m. Fridays is the Timothy teaching, and, and Tuesday and Wednesdays is just wherever the Lord leads me to share uh, from His Word the truth so that we can be encouraged and we can go through this situation that we're going through uh, this time of this noisome pestilence, this plague, this pandemic, whatever you want to call it, and uh, this virus that is plaguing the entirety of the earth. And I never thought I'd be saying that in my life, but here we are in the midst of all these birth pangs increasing uh, all the time, more and more so, and closer together and greater pain. And, and so we're going to make it through this as we've made it through everything else by the grace of God. And and I'm just thankful to be here today. So I encourage you, get your Bibles and your pencil and paper. Let's just, uh, let's just uh, get excited about what God is going to give us today. Because every day, He's attempting to load His people with the benefits that Jesus died for us to be able to have. And if we will allow God to do a work in us, to continue the work in us, and to have His way in and through us, uh, our lives will become that which we never, ever thought uh, that they could be. We, we're called not to just be morally right, upstanding citizens in the community. We're called to be a people who are led of God's Spirit, filled with God's Spirit, as He leads us, guides us in the truth of God's Word. And I'm thankful to know that today. So let's move right into Romans chapter 9, where we are and uh, I know we're supposed to start in verse 23 today, but we're going to have to back up like you sometimes have to do and, and dig in before you can take off. So let's look at verse 21 today, and I will quickly move through this to get to where we're going, uh, supposed to be going today. Uh, verse 21, has not the potter, that's God, power over the clay, that's humanity, of the same lump to make one vessel under honor and another under dishonor. And please go back and watch the earlier sessions uh, as we covered the false predestination and the false thoughts of men today and uh, how, how God just had the, the, the big lump of clay because he formed us of the dirt of the ground, the clay of the ground, and, uh, and, and breathed into us and we became living souls, but we were formed of the dust of the ground. Uh, Never, nevertheless, we were fearfully and wonderfully made because God made us in his image, praise God. But uh, as God looked into that, that 
clay, that, that lump, so to speak. He, he, he saw everything that would ever be. He saw that you would believe in the Son he sent for the forgiveness of your sins. He also saw the multiple billions who would reject the thought of God, never go after God, see creation and been given a conscience as all humanity has, a creation to look at and a conscience. Still, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't, I don't give me that stuff. I don't, I, you know, and so God, God in that clump, he saw uh, the last chapter brings this out a little bit and that he foreknew all those that would be conformed into his image, the, the image of his son. But he also looked at that inside that plan of humanity, and he also saw those that would never receive him, and those, unlike the, the vessels of honor uh, who would believe in his son, those others who would reject him, he, he pulled out of that lump of clay because of, because of their denial and rejection of him and, and made them vessels of dishonor. Nevertheless, out of this clay, all of humanity will serve God and his purpose. Even those who say there is no God and live their lives as there is no God, God is using them, listen, as vessels of dishonor. Now, now watch this. And uh, verse 22, uh, let's read verse 21. Has not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel uh, a vessel unto honor and another a vessel unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared to destruction? Think about this now. God has... God has, with much long suffering, this, this, this humanity that he created in his own image, and 99.9% of all humanity wants nothing to do with God. Now, I know we live in America, and there's a church on every corner, but you better hear me. Even the majority of that is in denial of God. The Bible says through their own works. And and so we're surrounded in America with what appears to be godliness, and, and a lot of it is. And praise God, a lot of it is a true faith in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished at Calvary. But because we're surrounded by a church on every corner and, and, and just all this, uh, we, we think that the whole world's kind of like us. Believe me, my friends, it's not. They're, the biggest part of the near 8 billion people on the planet are not believers in Jesus Christ. Jesus said the way is narrow, and there will be very few that find it. There will be few that find it. That means there will be few that will believe it, this way that's Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. The cross is what made Jesus our way. The cross is the way of Christ. That's what Jesus said when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way through the sacrifice to God. I'm the one promised in the Garden of Eden, the seed of the woman that would come and go through the sacrifice for you, to be put to death for you. Think about that. I'm the way to God through the sacrifice. I'm the truth of God. I'm the truth of God's word only through the sacrifice. And I'm the life of God through the sacrifice. Without the cross, Jesus is no way, truth, or life to anybody. Nobody. So think about this. God has all through the ages 
with much long suffering, patience, putting up with just a, a, a world full of people that he loved, created in his image, but has wants nothing to do with him. And 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 ninety nine point nine percent of those that claim they want to have something to do with him are denying him through false religion. They're serving a God. Even many who read the Bible are serving some other God because their faith is not in the promise of God, the testimony of God. When Paul mentioned, I bring to you the testimony of God, he's talking about the promise that was given in the garden. The seed of the woman will crush the enemy's head and he will bruise his heel. And then God showed them that it would be through a sacrifice. There is no other avenue through which God ministers any way at all. Or his words can be understood. So think about this. Don't want to get off track, but all through the ages, generation after generation, God has with much long suffering, patience, waited, and, and, and prepared these vessels of dishonor for destruction. Let's read it again. What if God, verse 22, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? These, these are people who are prepared for destruction. God had the lump of clay. He looked into his marvelous plan of humanity all through the ages. Remember, God doesn't see day by day. God sees all of it, all at once. He saw all who would believe. He saw all who wouldn't believe. And those who would believe, he formed as vessels of mercy, vessels of honor. And those who would reject him and his son and everything to do with his plan, he, he pulled them out because of their unbelief and made them vessels of dishonor, vessels of wrath in which, listen, in God's eternal plan, will in the past, he foreknew and those who rejected him, he, he has prepared them for destruction. Think about that. Verse 23, And that he might make known the riches of his glory. That's you and me, friend. God's, God is making known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had before prepared unto glory. See, you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, God has not prepared us for eternal destruction, he's prepared us, the Bible here says, unto glory. Unto glory. What is glory? What does glory mean? Glory means the fullness of something. Like, like in the spring when the rose bushes uh, bud, that, that, that ain't no glory yet. And, 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 but when that rose comes out and the beauty, that's the glory of, of what you have been waiting to see. And, and listen, God has, he is preparing us unto glory. That's why the Bible says that the, the sufferings of this age, this world, this time through which we live are not worthy to be compared to the glory which is about to be revealed in us. Hallelujah. God has prepared us unto glory. And in these dark seasons of, of time that you and I 
have been chosen to be placed right here on this earth for such a time as this. I don't care what kind of suffering is going on. We're not signing up for it. We don't like it. But suffering, there's a there's a whole different kind of perfection that takes place in suffering. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Jesus was made the captain of our salvation. Perfect. That means complete through suffering. That doesn't mean he he, he had anything lacking. Doesn't mean doesn't mean that uh, he had some kind of sin. When the Bible says he was made perfect, complete through suffering, that means he was he he completely became what we needed him to be through his suffering at Calvary. Hallelujah! Glory to God! Thank you, Lord. There there, there there's a whole different kind of maturity, growing and intimacy with the Lord in suffering if we will see it that way. There's a, there's, a, there, there's a greater level of being perfected. I'm not talking about going out and getting involved in some asceticism where you make yourself suffer or you go out and do things to cause yourself to suffer. No, just this faith in the cross of Christ alone will bring the suffering more than you ever wanted. From family members, co-workers, uh, it don't, all over the place, people will criticize you, push you out, and, and that kind of suffering. But there is a greater level of perfection when we're willing to trust God when the suffering is taking place in our life. And we need to hear that word right there in this day we're living in with this plague, uh, this epidemic, this pandemic all over the world, this uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. We need to hear this. And I pray God's health and blessing upon each one of you. But if this thing gets near you, touches you, I want you to know even though any kind of suffering takes place, there is a level of the perfecting work of the Holy Spirit Spirit in that suffering that will take place if you will draw near, hallelujah, if you will not quit and continue to believe God, trust God through faith in the sacrifice, and to know that to live is Christ, even if you're suffering, you're still living, hallelujah, and, 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 and your faith can remain in Christ, but even if I get some virus or get something when I leave this earth, that for me is gain. Hallelujah. Praise God. But think about this. God has prepared because of what we will believe or not believe our eternal destination. But it's based on what we believe. It's based on what we choose to believe. God foresaw, he foreknew those that would be conformed to the image of his son. He also foreknew those that would not have anything to do with him. And because of their decision, their choice of, of what they would trust in, he formed them either of vessels of honor and mercy unto glory or vessels of dishonor unto wrath. Think about that. And I'm thankful today to be a part of that which is going to inherit the glory of God. And now watch this in verse 24. He says, Even us whom he has called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Now that ought to make us Gentiles happy right there. See, at one time, it was just a nation of Israel. Yes, other folks outside could come, but that just did, that rarely happened. That rarely happened that folk outside of Israel would come and 
literally become a part of Israel worshiping the one true God of Israel. It did happen, but it was rare because God's blessings were on a nation that he had raised up through the man Abraham. But when Jesus died on that cross, my friend, and, and, and wait a minute before we get that far. Think about this. Abraham was a Gentile before he became a man God used to, to raise up a nation to give the word of God, the law of God, the patriarchs of God, for the, all for the purpose of raising, uh, uh, bringing forth a redeemer in the earth. Think about that. So at one time, there was nothing but Gentiles, and God raised up a man, Abraham. And, and, but, but you and I, outside the lineage, physical, fleshly lineage of Abraham, Gentiles, just the world, Without the promises, without uh, the law, without the, uh, the, the, the blessings of Israel. But because God, watch this now, even us whom he has called, God is calling everyone. God is calling everyone. The drawing, I said it in the last session, or one of the teachings that we've previously done, that Jesus said, if I be lift, lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. That's what he said. Well, well, Jesus was lifted up before the foundation of the world. Manifest on Calvary's hill. All men are being drawn by that love and kindness, even though they don't know what that is. And they'll, instead of searching out what that draw is in all of humanity, because uh, eternity is in all the hearts of all humanity, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I think it's verse 10 or 11, that eternity is in the hearts of all humanity. And Psalms 33, 15 says that God shaped, shaped all our hearts alike. We know there's a draw. We don't know what it is till we hear the gospel and believe it, and then God reveals, I'm the one that's been drawing you with my love and kindness, and now I'm the one also that brought you near through your faith in the blood, Ephesians 2.13, praise God. But we Gentiles have heard and heeded the call. We believe the gospel. That's simply what that means. And he says in verse 25, as he has said also in Hosea, Hosea, or Hose, however you want to say it, it says O.C. in the King James Version, but it's really Hosea. I will call them my people. Now, you ought to be encouraged today. God's calling you my people. Think about this. As he has also said in <coughs> Hosea, I will call them my people, <coughs> which were not my people. And her beloved, which was not beloved. God's calling us, his people, and his beloved, which we were not his people, and we were not his beloved. But we are his people, and we are his beloved. He calls us his beloved. When you pray, you ought to pray, Lord, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that I'm the one that you love. I thank you that my prayers are going into your ears. I thank you that you reached far outside of the lineage of Abraham and brought me in through the blood. You've made me a child of yours. You've called me beloved. I'm yours. And do you know what that means? I want you to think about this. God has obligated, when God decided to create humanity, God obligated himself to take care of humanity. 
And humanity blew it. We threw God out the window. Get out of here. I'm not even putting God on the back burner. I'm getting rid of him. I'm, I'm giving everything God gave me to this one now who's told me there's another way to be like God. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. We threw God out, accepted the words of the devil. We lost our authority over the earth. Jesus had to come back and give us the image we lost. He is the brightness of God's glory, the very express image of his person. Uh, Hebrews 1 and 3. And so Jesus got back that which we lost, and one day we will walk in the fullness of that glory even greater than what Adam had before, and I'm thankful for that. And so you, you and I ought to be excited every day we wake up because we were not the people of God, but today we we, we, we are. We, we were not God's beloved, but today we are. We were at one time vessels that God's wrath was upon, but now his wrath is no longer on us, but we've been justified by the blood, having peace now with God, a, a quietness of soul, an assurance of, of, in our souls that we can rest assured that God has made us his people in Christ. God has made us his beloved in Christ. That's good news. I, listen, I don't care what's going on, and I know things can get worse than worse we, than, than we could imagine, but even in the midst of that, we're still people of God. We're still beloved of God, and we should thank God every day for who he is and, and who we are in him and what he's made us, that he reached far outside of old Abraham and his family to get us old Gentiles brought into the family of God, and we ought to be excited about that. Verse 26 says, And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Hallelujah. Every uh, And I like it when the Bible calls God the living God, because every other God to men uh, is, they're gods that men made up under the influence of Satan. Our God, Jehovah God, the God that created all things, that gave us the earth, and gave us the earth. It's in Psalms 115, I believe, that the Bible says that the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he gave to men. And again, we blew it. We gave it away to the enemy, and that's how Satan became the God of this world. Uh, uh, and we ought to be excited every single day. I don't care what we have or don't have. And I know that's easier said on days when things seem to be okay, but it remains a fact. It remains a fact that no matter what's going on good or how bad it may get, we are God's beloved and he has obligated himself to take care of us. God, when he created humanity, obligated himself. I'm not being ugly and I'm, I'm not telling you anything you won't find in the Bible. God has obligated himself to take care of his people. Uh, Romans 8 and 32 says, if, if God spared not his only begotten son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? I, I, I smell obligation there. I smell it. I smell it. God's obligated not to do what I tell him to do, but to tell me the directions to go to walk in obedience according to his will. So 
so that I can find his obligation upon me, blessing me, that love pouring in and through me, hallelujah, in more than lip service, but in activity, in the experience of obedience to him. Glory to God. I'm excited this morning. I hope you can tell when you start talking about God making us his, calling us his beloved. Listen, if you'll let that resonate in your mind, even the things that are negative right now in your life, the, the good news will always rise above any bad news you hear because the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm going to read that verse again. Oh, and it shall come to pass. This is what God told Hosea to say about me and you. Uh, come on now, let's get excited this morning. This is what God told Hosea to say about you. God's thinking about you when he's talking to Hosea back then. God's thinking about me then. If you won't get it and get excited, I'll get excited for you. God was thinking about me back then. Oh yes, eternally. God's always been thinking about me and you. But listen, in this specific point in the in the in the experience of the the, the the years of humanity, the generations of humanity, this this specific time, God spoke through this prophet about you and me. That's powerful to me. And it shall come to pass that in that place where it was said unto them, You're not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant shall be saved. Listen to that. Not only am I going to get the Gentiles, those Gentiles who will believe, I'll make a people that wasn't a people, my people, hallelujah. I'll make a people that was not my beloved, my beloved. And even Israel that I've called to be mine and blessed with all that I've offered humanity through that nation, raising up a, a Messiah through that nation, hallelujah. He says, but even in that nation, there's only a remnant. But that remnant, hallelujah, glory to God has been elected by grace and and that means what God did in Christ at Calvary. Glory to God. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Colon. Everybody say colon. See those two little dots there after the word saved? That means something specifically is about to be mentioned to, to bring a, a more of a powerful impact of what's been, just been said. You'll see more of that in the book of Proverbs where you'll see a statement and a colon and then another statement. And that second part of that on the other side, I call it of the colon, will help you understand what was first said on this side of the colon. Yeah, and... Uh, and, and it's all throughout the Proverbs. And, and what, what is said, sometimes on the first side of the colon, you don't quite get it till you see what's on the second side of the colon. And sometimes it's just really down in, in, in more specific of what was said, a greater light, or, or it's the very opposite of what was said on the first side of the colon so that you can see the opposite. And it, oh, I see now. I hope that's helping you if you'll begin to study the word and, and just dig in and don't give up till you get what the Holy Spirit's trying to give you. You'll learn these things. But he says, watch this, colon, a remnant shall be saved at the end of verse 27, colon, because he will finish the work. Jesus said that from Calvary, didn't he? It's finished. 
<laughs> Glory to God. It's finished. He said, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness. Because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. It seems like forever. But remember, a thousand years to man is but a day to God, the scriptures say. It's a short work. Jesus came, Jesus finished it, and it's a short work. And it's the work of Christ at Calvary because it was cut short in righteousness. It was cut short. What God had intended on happening didn't happen exactly the way that his will desired because we gave away our authority to the devil. But listen, the Lord, is he came and he cut he cut it short, but listen, he says he cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we had been as Sodoma and had been like unto Gomorrah. He's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah here. Unless the Lord had left us a seed for that Savior to come through, all of Israel would have been destroyed. But God left. Why has God always left a seed of Israel? No matter what has happened to that nation, Israel, there's always been a remnant. There's always been, I don't care how devastating it got and how small a number it got, there was still a remnant because the Savior had to come through that nation. Now that's powerful. He says, except the Lord of Sabaoth, the Sabbath, Lord of the Sabbath, had left us a seed, we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah, completely and utterly destroyed. That didn't happen. What shall we say then, verse 30, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness? Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. What was the stumbling stone? The faith of Jesus Christ. That by the grace of God, Jesus, through faith, laid his life down that we might be forgiven, that we might become a people of God, that we're not a people of God, that we Gentiles, by faith, through faith, might become the beloved of God. You can't work your way in because it's not by law. And law is all about you working for something. And you can't work for grace. You can't pay for grace. You can't earn grace. God freely gives grace to those who come to him through faith in his Son. Let's read that again. Verse 31, I know we're out of time, but I'm going to go ahead for a minute or two till we get through with this today. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? It's what verse 32 means when it says, wherefore, why? Because they sought it not by faith. Righteousness can't be sought by you doing something. That's law. Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. 
They thought they were righteous by the works of the law. God has never made anybody righteous by their works. Titus 1.16 says we, we can profess we know God, but if we think it's about our works, we're denying him in our works. Read it, Titus 1.16. For they stumbled at that, that stumbling stone. Jesus is the, is the rock of ages. And what makes him our rock of ages is the promise of him being the redeemer to us through the sacrifice. His humble, obedient act unto death, that suffering, that, that perfect suffering through death to give us the completeness that comes through faith, not works, not going to church, not reading my Bible, not praying, not giving, not going out. No, through faith alone. Yes, faith is dead without works. Works follow. But it's not by works anyone's going to heaven. That's what was wrong with Israel. They thought they could attain to the righteousness of the law through works. Can't be done. God won't, he, God's not offering anybody the righteousness of the law through anything they do but that righteous work that resulted in peace. Back to Isaiah 32, 17. And its effect was quietness of soul for us, peace with God, and assurance that we're the children of God and the beloved of God, the people of God. Hallelujah. The last verse of uh, chapter 9, As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, which is Christ in what he did at Calvary. And whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. Notice, he says, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believes on him, on who? The stumbling stone, the rock of offense that God laid in Zion. Jesus Christ. And what he did at Calvary, his work of righteousness resulted in peace. They had the word. Israel had the word. Israel had the word. Nothing they could do could result in peace. Talking about inner peace. Nothing they could do could result in quietness of the soul and assurance in God. Only faith in the blood, the way God set it up from the Garden of Eden and intensified the revelation of that down through the ages until this stumbling stone, this rock of offense showed up. His name is Jesus. And what makes him that stumbling stone, even to much of the church today, in the rock of offense is this way of God called the faith of Jesus Christ. For that is the faith we live by. That's the faith we're saved by. And, and when folk hear that, 99.9% .9 of the earth, they get offended. Because they think they can do something to earn God's favor and righteousness. And only through the blood of Jesus can we be saved and declared righteous. And can we today bring forth the fruits of his righteousness. And I've got to go. I love you. Thanks for tuning in. Do me a favor. Share these broadcasts. I, it doesn't matter that I'm not a part of your whatever denomination or your church. It makes no difference. Are we in this together or not? Share these words of God's truth and encouragement to everybody that you know. Makes no difference. Are we trying to get people in our church or in the plan and the will of God for their lives? Come on, somebody. 
Don't forget to check the YouTube channel out at Curtis Hutchinson 316, the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Don't forget to get the Crossway Church on app on your smartphone. And don't forget to give to the ministry that we might deliver this truth to greater and greater uh, avenues. And we're looking for those every day. You can give at thecrosswaychurch.com. You can also give by simply texting to 903-231-5950. 903-231-5950. God bless you. I love you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.